Welcome to Songs and Stories, the not-for-musicians-only music podcast. Hey there, everyone. Welcome once again to Songs and Stories. I'm Michael Gaither, and this is Songs and Stories episode number 125. And as I'm speaking and looking at my screen, it looks like my Mac is finally behaving and not giving me any goofy errors, which is way more than you need to worry about, but uh, I think we'll be okay. Um, This is Songs and Stories episode number 125. Thank you for joining me and us today. It's been a little bit. Sorry about that, but... uh, I don't know, you get busy, time goes by, and in the case of this particular episode, I was kind of waiting for a second CD to be ready. Today we're going to talk to a local singer-songwriter whom I'm quite fond of, as you will be in about 45 minutes, Nancy Cassidy. And um, the the joke around the county here is this this show is a mix of interviews with local and out-of-the-area artists, mostly songwriters, and... They're kind of like bubblegum cards, you know. I've got a Keith Greninger, I've got a Sherry Austin, I've got a Sharon Allen. Wait, I don't have a Nancy Cassidy yet, and that's kind of been the case with this. Um, Nancy's a wonderful singer-songwriter. She's actually won a gold a gold record for her Kids Songs series of CDs. In fact, her song Lizard Lips and Chicken Hips was was, reco- was covered by Bruce Springsteen on a, on a benefit album for pediatric AIDS, which the fact that Nancy was covered by Bruce Springsteen gives her more cred than anybody who's ever been on this podcast. So way to go, Nancy. She's also a fine Americana songwriter, and I've known her for a while, and we just kind of kept crossing paths and crossing paths and really liked each other's stuff. And last fall... She did kind of a different kind of project called Song of Joy, and I'll let, I'll let her tell you about that in a little bit. And we heard her do the the entire record at a house concert up in Palo Alto, and my wife and I run this series down here in Corlitas, which is kind of south of Santa Cruz along the Monterey Bay here on the central coast of California. And we thought, wow, Nancy has to bring this down to Corlitas. So she did. She brought the whole band. She brought Dan Kai and Keith Greninger and Steve Acello. And um, they played the whole record and just loved it. And it was one of these records where we literally bought like 10 copies to give to our friends who were going through things, health, family, whatever, the kind of things that people in our demographic tend to start doing. And we just give them out as gifts. I mean, it's a great it's a great record. It's also kind of uplifting, but it's not one of these sugary, smaltzy kind of uplifting things. It's just it's a great record with a lot of happy songs and and it was written um under kind of some serious circumstances and Nancy will tell you about that. So we got together, talked about that, and then we um, talked about the fact that Nancy's a born and raised California girl. She grew up on a California dairy farm, and I was raised in a farming town, so we had a lot of common ground there. She was a, a river rat, a river guide for a long time, and so she's always been close to the earth, and if you listen to her music, that really gets reflected a lot. And as this conversation was going on around our kitchen table, um, she talked about this new record, Memphis, that she started recording with Keith Greninger, who, who plays on both of them and also produced them. 
and then started writing Song of Joy for a friend of hers who was going through something. That's where the, the record came out of. And then stopped working on Memphis, finished Song of Joy, and then, you know, was kind of letting, as she said, Song of Joy to kind of play out and finish being sort of the new record. And she went back and finished Memphis. So I've been kind of here in a holding pattern waiting here for a little while for the, the Memphis record to be ready. So this episode is going to be about Nancy Cassidy, the Song of Joy record, and the Memphis record. So we're going to kind of cover it all. And I think what I'll do is remind you new folks that if you haven't listened to Songs of Stories before... You can find me at michaelgather.com. It's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-A-I-T-H-E-R.com. If you go to that website and look for the little blog section on Songs and Stories 125, you'll get links to Nancy's site, her CDs, and some notes about things that we'll talk about during this interview. You can also find Nancy at nancycassidymusic.com, and everything's up there as well. So to get started, let's hear a couple of things off Song of Joy, and then we'll come. Well, then we'll talk to Nancy, then we'll come back and I'll recap, and then we'll hear something off Memphis. We'll kind of combine the whole thing together. Uh, song of Joy is just one of those perfect records. Every song is really good, so I'm just going to let you hear a little bit of the first two songs. Here is a little bit of a song called Every Day, and then a bit of the title track, Song of Joy, and then we'll talk to Nancy Cassidy around my kitchen table about a whole lot of stuff. That's very cool. Oh, 
It's a pigeon. We have a pigeon in our living room. Is it a carrot pigeon? No, it was an orphan that we ended up adopting, and then we found out that, well, because you raised it, you can't let it go, so now we're stuck with this pigeon, and someone told me they lived 20 years. <laughs> so at some point, we'll have, a, we'll have an aviary outside. But Wow, yeah. wow. How come you can't let them go? Um, I guess they'll stick around the house and get eaten by a hawk. Oh, so now you're, you're supposed to protect it because pretty you're much because raising. we had to take we had the poor sense to like save uh-huh. the thing. <laughs> so so how did you get into it? How did I get into podcasting? So I, you know, a couple of lifetimes ago, I wrote for the Santa Cruz Sentinel. Mm-hmm. I did um first it was video and then it was movies and then I was I did a TV column in the spotlight for a long time, and then I kind of switched and started doing music music interviews. I interviewed. Who was it? Karen Kane, Todd Snyder, Lucy Kaplansky, Paul Thorne when he kind of first started coming mm-hmm. out. So I did some really good, it was really fun. And then I started songwriting and the paper kind of tapered off. And then when I started my website, a friend of mine said, you know, you should start blogging. I, go, I don't want to blog. And then I realized that well, blogging, you can write about anything and it keeps you writing. And then um, my same friend suggested I do podcasting. And I said, well, then I thought, well, it'd be kind of like an audio version of the interviews. Mm-hmm. And at first, I did a couple of podcasts that were about my songs, kind of where they came from, and that took forever. <laughs> it's just to do a, yourself, yeah, yeah, to just like. Then you can be picky, huh? <laughs> but then I just thought, well, maybe I can do an audio version of what I used to do for the yeah. Sentinel. So then mm-hmm. I interviewed like Bev Barnett and Greg Newland because I knew them and I wouldn't be intimidated. And I just started right. doing it. Yeah. And I've been doing it for six years, and it's been really wow. fun. So wow. I and I think with nice. me because I you know because I like stories, I like story songs that kind of like collecting people's stories, mm-hmm. and it, it all kind of just yeah. seems to fit. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So what's Nancy Cassidy's story? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the kitchen table. Thank you. Great tea. <laughs> Thank the wife for the tea. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk about let's talk about this new record that we like so much. Oh, thank then you. We'll backfill it. Thank you. Song of Joy. Song of Joy. And what CD number is this? 
Um, well, I've done five children's CDs. Mm-hmm. So I did my first that have done quite kids well. CD in yeah, 86, mm-hmm. and I think the last one in 92. And before I finished those, I did two other CDs of my own stuff in Toronto with the mm-hmm. same producer, mm-hmm. Ken Whiteley. And, and then I, um, I think, um, and then I've done, I moved sort of my recording to uh, Santa Cruz. Mm-hmm. And so I've done five CDs with Keith Greninger. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, first one, You Reel Me In, and then So Much Weather, and then Runaway Train, and then this Song of Joy, and then um, in about a month, I'll release a, song, a CD called Memphis. Oh, nice. Yeah, which Good. I started actually recording before I did Song of Joy. That's right. So this this project was kind of different. Can you talk? Yeah, this project, I was already recording um the Memphis CD, which is sort of more rocking and blues and sort of more uh, diverse musically and emotionally. And um, and then we had, um, well, sort of uh, the straw that broke the camel's back. We had a friend who was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And, um, and it was sort of, um, it, it, that had followed a lot of Friends that had some serious mm-hmm. um, illnesses, and I we're kind of going through that now with friends. Yeah, yeah, it's really hard, and so I just decided to put my energy into making him a CD. Nice. And so I collected songs that I'd already written, mm-hmm. but that when I was feeling badly, I would come back to mm-hmm. and sing, and they make me feel better. And um, so we, I started. Um, I just sort of rushed this one through, and I originally went to Gadget Box and mm-hmm. recorded with Jay and uh, and Steve and Jimmy, um, and then. But I wasn't really very good at directing mm-hmm. my own music. I, I just don't have a good ear for it. <laughs> I don't think, and so I brought Keith mm-hmm. in, and we. Reworked some of the songs. So did, used some of the. Did you redo tracks. tracks or complete songs or kind of a um, mix? Some of them. Some of the songs we kept the bed tracks on, mm-hmm. and then just added to, and some. Oh, and for the listeners, a bed track is. Is the bed track is kind of the basic, basic, song. So drums. In this case, usually it was drums and a rhythm guitar mm-hmm. and bass. Yeah. And um, so that's kind of the basic feel of a song. And so some of them we kept and some of them we didn't. And, um, and then Keith and I recorded a lot of the rest of them just live. Mm-hmm. So he and I would sit in a room together and he would play guitar and I would sing. Yeah, it's got a really nice live feel to it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It is, it's basically, it's a lot of mm-hmm. live. A lot of the songs are live. And... Um, yeah, so then I re- ended up releasing it before Memphis, mm-hmm. which I haven't released yet because yeah. I've been waiting sort of for it to um, play itself out on, with radio time. Yeah, you have to do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so it's actually had a lot of really good radio play. It, it, um, I used a, this, a man I'd used a couple times before from Nashville, Bill Wentz, mm-hmm. who took it to radio stations. Um, um, 
in the United States, and then I decided to do that internationally, so I got mm-hmm. a lot of international play. And then he chose a song um, uh, to just send MP3s uh, of um, Every Day's Miracle, mm-hmm. is the song he chose, to country stations. Mm. And he got like 40, it got up to 40 wow. on the charts, country charts. On so the country charts, like, nice. On country charts. <laughs> It's really not, I don't think, a very country song. No, I love it. In fact, it's, it's the opening track, and I was playing it earlier. I love the song, but I couldn't see it as country, but good for I you. I know. I know. It's, yeah. uh, I don't know. It was interesting that he chose that one and that it worked so well. Yes, it was getting like, um, I stopped getting the reports, but it was getting, um, you know, like 1,200 spins a week. And wow. So it was doing really That's well. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So anyway, that's the story of Song of Joy. <laughs> and it's still finding its way out there, it sounds like. Yeah, Yeah, I haven't, you know, my, um, I started recording more because I was on, when I did Runaway Train, mm-hmm. I started taking my little band of Dan, Kai, and Steve Cello traveling, mm-hmm. and we toured some. It was really fun. Mm-hmm. And, but nice. my husband thought I should be staying home more, so then I thought, oh, I'll just put my energy into recording. Now. Yeah. And, and nice. writing so that's what i've been doing so i haven't actually toured that much mm-hmm. with this cd which would be fun to do it, and it's but. such a great collection of songs well I, we went to the house thank concert you. you played in palo alto and i said you got to bring this to coralitas and uh, yeah, that was that a, was really nice that was a you. really cool show <laughs> that was you. a really cool show i'm glad it worked out so well thank you i yeah. just played and you the place club in. last night how'd that go <laughs> it was great it was really great I had. Uh, I'm just curious. How did you end up doing the set at the, the U Club? You just. Uh, how I mean? How? Why did they? Yeah. Have me. Yeah. Um, Marty Carlson, mm-hmm. who is really involved with the U Club. I I actually met Marty, um, in the first time I went to California Coastal Music Camp in okay. in um, 2001, and he there were like eight people in a songwriting class with that Keith Greninger was teaching. Mm-hmm. And I've just kept in touch with all those people. Mm-hmm. They're still all doing music, mm-hmm. Janet Lenore, and just a lot of people that are still, and Bob Hahn, still do music with and still friends. And so Marty was one of mm-hmm. those people. And then he moved to Santa Cruz and got really involved in the ukulele um, club. And so he asked me. Nice. Yeah, to play there. Good. Good, I, good. I, so I did a children's um, songwriting workshop mm-hmm. in the afternoon. And then at the end of their club meeting, I played and I had um, Patty Maxine Smith Always play a good Dobro. Yeah. So amazing. She's amazing. And Jimmy Norris. Oh, he played, played with each other. Oh, very yeah. nice. Yeah, mm. it was really fun. It's hard to go wrong when you get people reception. like that backing you up. I know. You really can't screw up. <laughs> <laughs> I still screwed up. <laughs> I told them when I screw up, just go, just play along. Like nothing happened, and I'll get back on track. <laughs> it was like when I was playing my release show last. Well, I did a couple of these, but I had you know Dan and Steve, and then Steve Kritzer and my friend Aaron around. I was like, you really can't go wrong. <laughs> you uh-huh. just kind of direct it a little bit, but you really things aren't going to go bad. Yeah. No, it's really no, fun. It's cool playing with good players. It's really nice. Yeah. It's Did really you play ukulele last night or just, play, or just guitar? I mostly play, but I have a baritone ukulele, uh-huh. so I, ukulele, well, I played piano when I was young, but I never could really, like, memorize the music or anything, mm-hmm. so I just sort of 
played by numbers, but I did play for, tried to play for like three or four years when I was really small. Mm -hmm. And then I got a ukulele when I was 11. After I went to Girl Scout camp and mm -hmm. all the counselors were playing ukuleles and sitting around singing and it was like my idea of paradise. Yeah. So I got a ukulele. It's a great little portable instrument too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, and then I got a guitar when I was about 13. Mm -hmm. And but so I hadn't played ukulele for a long time. My ukulele, though, this ukulele that I have is a baritone ukulele, mm -hmm. so I don't have to. It's the same chords, mm -hmm. same chord configurations. But still, it was a little awkward for me to try to remember, like just, some missing chords, two strings, especially and, like uh, bar chords, just feel so different uh -huh. when you, you yeah. don't have so many strings. So, yeah, I had a I had a few screw ups, but. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, play louder. Yeah. Well, so I've, I've got a baritone. In fact, our friend, the late great Mad Dog, actually restored oh, it for me. And oh, um, he he tuned, he, you know, it's a baritone uke, which is tuned like the top four strings of a guitar. But I was playing it for a while, and I told Mad I said, it just sounds like a little guitar. I want it to sound like a uke. So he restrung it with soprano uke strings. So it's, it's in C tuning. Oh. But it has this nice bottom end, so it's a great instrument to play and sing with. Uh huh. But yeah. then you have to learn all the chords. Yeah, but yeah. you know you can yeah. learn six chords and play everything. <laughs> yeah. You know, and just move the rest up the neck, and you're fine. Yeah. You know, That's act true. like you know what That's you're doing. What people think you do is the Joe Walsh lyric that I like. <laughs> <laughs> it's my new mantra. Well, nice, nice. So, um, some Memphis is coming at your. So you're still kind of waiting for this to sort of play itself out as far as a new record? Um, well, I was just waiting for the radio. I was going to release it at the beginning of the year, and then mm -hmm. um, Bill said he wanted to put it in, on country stations. Mm -hmm. So then I, was wait, I waited for that, and that mm -hmm. sort of ended um, around Christmas time, that sort of project. Right. And so now I'm, I'm working on the artwork and stuff. So is the, is the recording and the mastering all done? Yeah. Done, done. Mm -hmm. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's done. It's just been waiting. And was it the same basic group of players as Song of Joy, or was it a little different? Um, it was a little different. It had Ronnie Crawford, who played. Oh, my... yeah. He played drums at Carlitos. Yeah. He's good. He's amazing. Yeah. He's great. And I've known him like 10 years, mm -hmm. and we've played music. I, I take lessons from him, and oh, I yeah. go now to his place, mm -hmm. and he... he um, plays drums and I play my new songs and mm -hmm. so my, I get to sort of hear new songs livened oh. up a little bit uh -huh. and um, what a great idea so part of my yeah sort of songwriting process is going there with him mm -hmm. so he knows all my material and that's great, great. Well, I know Carlitos when he got done playing I said can I have your phone number because yeah <laughs> <laughs> I do band shows sometimes and it's nice to have a drummer that you can yeah yeah, yeah. He's a really well, and nice it's, guy. I, I He's found that it's me some too. there's a trick. I mean, not every drummer can back up sort of a singer songwriter. Mm -hmm. You know, I've played with a few drummers, and you know, they've all been good, but some were more like a big band kind of rock drummer. But to back up, not not folk, but just people who are kind of telling story songs, it takes a certain finesse, mm -hmm. and he really did that well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, like they end He's very too. intuitive, yeah. and he really. He really follows. He follows you, so he's very forgiving. Mm -hmm. You know, he keeps the beat, <laughs> which is good. Keeps me in line. Yeah. So he's playing, and um, gosh, what's his name? Paul. Paul. I can't remember his last name right now. He played. He played um, bass, 
and um, he's great. He's from Pacifica, and he, he really mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. he really like punches the bass, plays electric bass, mm-hmm. and um, and everybody else is pretty much the same people, I think, that were you know are on Song Joy. Mm-hmm. A lot of the same people. Tammy Brown sang and Sharon Allen sang nice. some backup. Yeah. And um, yeah, we worked on it for a long time. We went to two different studios. Mm-hmm. And we were, but um, yeah, so. Looking forward It'll to hearing be, it. Yeah, it's, it, it's, um, has a lot of, it, ha, it, it, it has a, 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 a big, big sort of emotional range. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Memphis, the song Memphis, I wrote, I went to a folk alliance in Memphis, mm-hmm. um, two different years. And the first time I went, I sang in some uh, libraries. And you, and the libraries were all just like all white kids or all black kids. Oh, really? Like all, you know, just the neighborhoods, you yeah. know, are just very, the ones I went to, I went to like, I think four libraries. They were just very segregated. Mm. And the river is, uh, the hotel was right on the river and my room looked right down on the river. And it's it's just this huge force that that just feels like it just divides the town. It's just like very symbolic. Mm. It felt very symbolic to me. And when we went, the um, we as soon as I got there, I, people were talking in the hotel about um, a musician who jumped into the river and was never seen again. And apparently they're just logs and there are catfish that just like they they're so big they come up and will just not to eat you but just suck on you and Mm -hmm. they'll pull you down with their suction with their mouths they're so big wow and so the river just felt these stories just felt and it was in february Mm -hmm. you know so it was swollen anyway and it just felt very treacherous and just like a dividing um Force and so that's that was sort of the the theme of the song. Wow, I had a lot of it. kind of images about about um, just life being hard. Yeah. And and then the chorus is is just still wanting wanting people to uh, you know wanting somebody to come to cross the line, you know, to bridge the gap. Mm-hmm. And. Um, so anyway, that's the, that's the story of that song. Yeah. You know, it seems like in that and other conversations, it seems like places inspire you a lot. Is that true? I mean, you're, you're writing in Hawaii, and I've heard stories uh-huh. about you walking the beach in San Diego and coming back and writing a song about it. Mm-hmm. Well, I write them while I'm there, actually. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. You know, I grew up on a farm, and I really... Native California. Dairy farm, right? Dairy farm. Yeah. yeah, along the Merced River, in a little town called Belico. And um, there were seven kids in my family, and um, we all worked on the farm when we were growing up. I, my job was feeding the calves a lot, so I'd feed them in the morning and mm-hmm. at night. And um, they, didn't, they had a, kind of a tough life. They were in little tiny pens, and 
and they were on the ground and so in the winter it would be muddy and manure and mm. they'd get pneumonia and mm. I just really felt like they were my little babies mm-hmm. and they would get sick and I'd sit in there with the pens with you know trying to get them bring them back to life and I um, and I don't know just walking we, I always felt like when I had a friend um, later when I moved away from the farm I always wanted to bring them to the farm because mm-hmm. I felt like if they were saw the farm they would just somehow know me better this mm-hmm. very much part of who I am and um, it's you know it's in kind of a uh, a wide and the farm was in a va- the river the valley that the mm-hmm. river cut a small river valley that the, that it had cut and yeah, so I yeah I have a, I have big connections with land. Yeah, well, I think they're I mean because your lyrics are they're very down to earthy. They're very kind of literal, you know. And I, and, and you were a river guide too for a while. I was a river guide. So it's always yeah. about place and close 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 <laughs> to the ground. Close and, to nature. Yeah. Yeah, I I like people. I'm making and all these like connections nature. about your music. So uh-huh. that's why I <laughs> like you. it so much. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, when I left. In fact, I live in Palo Alto now, and I when I live, moved to Palo Alto, it was the first time I didn't live right along a river, right oh, along the right. water. Something I like about Santa Cruz is being the water's near the right ocean. there. I haven't yeah. really spent that much time near the ocean until I came here, mm-hmm. except for on vacation. So, uh, yeah, I like all kinds of water. It's um, well, I like the earth. I think we're really lucky that we have this earth and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I wish we treated it better. I think we're sort of killing ourselves with all our poisons and our lifestyle, killing ourselves and the earth. My father, who is always a farmer, has Parkinson's now, and they just came out with um, uh, this report. Well, at the Parkinson's Institute, they told me that Parkinson's comes from certain pesticides and really? solvents yeah and that they said you know all all the testing that they've done but it's really hard to prove and yeah. so and it's really politically um sort of dangerous mm-hmm. to say that but recently like in the last week the new york times had a big article about how the, there's a there's a weed killer that it has been off the market in the United States for mm-hmm. ten years, but that it was directly tied to Parkinson's. Wow. So, it's just you know, or just like a lot of people, like the, my friend with a brain tumor who mm-hmm. grew up on a farm, and um, there's just a lot of pesticides, and they used to spray DDT around our farm when we were growing up, and um, just so anyway. Well, the romantic even like. My hometown, which is here, you know, mm-hmm. the, the romantic idea of growing up around farms. Yeah. Now we're surrounded by, you know, strawberry fields, which are very pesticide intensive. Yeah, they just put one in across from my parents' farm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and they they totally kill the soil with some kind of awful thing that ha- my parents are supposed to go to a hotel for three days while they spray. Wow. The field. <laughs> but you come back, it'll be fine. It'll be yeah, fine. it'll Look. be fine. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it goes right into the ground yeah. you'll never you'll never have to deal you with kill it. Kill everything all. in the ground. Yeah, so you can plant the strawberries. Yeah. It's very scary. Um 
but anyway, I saw there's just uh, yeah, I think the land is really beautiful, and um, I lived along when I first started river guiding. I had a girlfriend who was camping out along the Stanislaus River, so I um, she asked me if I wanted to camp with her, mm -hmm. and I was living in Merced and kind of bottoming out in Merced in the valley and. Bottoming out, just kind I of. I mean, just you were kind of done, or well, I was working at a movie theater. It was a a dollar a movie to get in, mm -hmm. and then they make their money selling popcorn. And right, right. We right. put all this butter, real butter. Oh. It was good butter. <laughs> Popcorn, but you know, this I just wasn't the, doing very much. This is much. back for the days of real artificial flavor. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't doing that much, and um, so, and I had a really bad boyfriend there. So I, I moved to the river, and it was just so um, beautiful. We camped out. We had a tent, and across the river, um, three guys lived in a little trailer, and they were starting a group called. Uh, Etc. Well, we mm -hmm. named it later Environmental Dra Traveling Companions. And, mm -hmm. and so I learned to river guide with them. And oh. we would go down the Stanislaus and take groups of kids mm -hmm. down the river that were from preschools or had um, uh, their California Youth Authority kids. Mm -hmm. or, so we folks go, that would normally get to go get down to a river. river. With a, yeah. yeah. So the trips were free. Yeah. And we, we didn't make any money. All the guides were for free. We were just camping out. But the, they would bring food. So mm -hmm. we, they'd bring like Wonder Bread and bologna sandwiches and stuff <laughs> like that. Speaking of eating, eating healthy and yeah. treating yourself right. Yeah. So, but we, anyway, we got free food. So that's sort of what we lived on. And so... River rats for a while. Yeah. I was... Yeah. yeah, I ended up being... I worked with them for probably six or seven years. A really great group. Mm -hmm. I mean, we had it was it was wonderful camping out and going down the river, and then we'd go on private trips to the Rogue or to the Grand Canyon, and so I got to go on the Grand Canyon probably eight times, and I nice. go we'd go on the Rogue. And, the Rogue's and pretty amazing too. I've been at that a couple of times. Beautiful, yeah. it's beautiful. And when the first year we went it was 1972. And they had just made it a wild and scenic river, mm. and we'd go. I go just about every year. I've gone every year since then, and the amount of wildlife that has come back on that river is phenomenal. Otter That's and bear and osprey and eagles and salmon and. So you can turn. We can turn things around. A yeah, bit. totally could turn things right. around. Yeah, nature and people—they're resilient. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Give people a little love. They're as stubborn nature. as we are. Nature's as stubborn <laughs> as we are. To give it a yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, that was really that was that was amazing. And then I went back to school <laughs> and got my master's in counseling, mm -hmm. education, and started being a therapist for kids hmm. for a while. And then um, in Placerville, and then I and. Um, Went to Europe. I left that job and went to after a couple years and um, went to Europe, which was wonderful. And then just traveled around and stayed mm -hmm. in these hostels and mm -hmm. went on trains and 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 came back and moved to Palo Alto and started being a camp director at Hidden Villa, which is a multicultural mm -hmm. camp. So the river, and that's when I started really singing with kids, mm -hmm. actually, and um, and then had my kids and. Made started making my uh, tapes. My husband uh, and his two friends started a, a business 
a publishing business, Klutz Press. And Which so, is why I can juggle because of the, oh, because yeah. of the Klutz book. Yeah, I went to thinking <laughs> last time I saw it. Yeah, so... Well, it was, that, that whole enterprise was a great idea. And it's, yeah, it was a great very, idea. Very successful. It was, it, was yeah. really, it was really fun. It was yeah. perfect perfect job for him. He um, got to write books on whatever he wanted and sort of think about whatever he wanted to. And um, Well, it was such a, like, that, the thing behind Klutz was, what if I could figure out how to do this? And here's a book for it. Yeah. 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 And it seems to kind of fit, you know, with you writing kid songs and kind of appealing to the kid, the books kind of did that. It seemed like they kind of like went along the same lines in a Mm -hmm. way, in a way. Yeah. 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 He, um, yeah, he he ended up, I think he's written probably 300 books. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, he stopped. We, they, the partners wanted to sell, Mm -hmm. um, about 10 years ago so we sold it mm-hmm. and he he's worked eventually at Scholastic bought Klutz and oh I see so he worked with Scholastic for probably five years mm-hmm. and, and then retired a few years ago yeah now he's actually working with both our sons on helping them sort of figure out how to write books and oh, do projects cool. so it's pretty it's pretty cool it's carrying on the next generation yeah he's mentoring yeah. them mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so for you, so the, the music really, originally, the songwriting at least came out of working with kids, it sounds that kind of, did that come first, or were you always kind of uh, writing your own thing too? Or no, was I was always writing my own back songs, forth, actually. Yeah. Okay. yeah, I, you know, I think the first time I can remember thinking, I always wrote poetry, mm-hmm. and I always sang, and I, I think when I was probably about 16, I heard Bob Dylan. Mm. I was listening to Bob Dylan's CD, and I was just like... He's just writing poems and he's just putting, you know, music to it. <laughs> I can do that. I can do that. I can, I can do that. <laughs> I can do what Dylan does. Come on. <laughs> and Maybe I can sing better well. than him. So. I never. <laughs> no. So I, um, yeah. So as soon as, you know, it's sort of like when I, when you sort of get a concept, how it's kind of like um, in my life. I had a, a teacher once who, who, who um, it was in a math class and had nothing to do with math and it was in college. And he, the first day of class, he said, you know, I want you all to think of what you want on your tombstone, four words you want on your tombstone. And, and then I want you to think about, you know, when you're 80, what you want to have accomplished to hmm. have get those words put on your tombstone. Mm-hmm. And then worked us back to... You know what do you need to do this week to get reach those goals to have you have what you want to have set talk about a long project plan (laughs) and so in my life whenever I've sort of wondered what to do and and I'm stumbling I'll I'll write up my goals Uh write up goals and and it is amazing how I'll just put them down and maybe five years later I'll find them and just how often I've done the things that I said I wanted to do. Somehow you're reinforcing it subconsciously. And yeah, and you just it. make decisions that take you, you know, take your life in the direction that you've thought you wanted to go, even if it's not, like, totally conscious. Mm-hmm. And so that's um, that's kind of like, I think, when you just sort of have a concept, how it it's just so much more likely to 
come true. So that's when I realized, oh, oh, that's what he's just writing poems and, and putting words to them. Mm -hmm. You broke it I down. Started, yeah, yeah, I just started writing songs. And so I started writing songs when I was probably 16. But not, um, um, not, I mean, the last 10 years, I, I, I think I've really, um, I listen to myself more. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that's the other part of it is you have to really, for me, you have to pay attention to what, um, to your muse. You have to honor it. Mm -hmm. Sort of, and so if you, if I come up with a song, if I start realizing, oh, I'm singing a song to myself, because um, I sort of think in song. So if I, if I realize, oh, I'm, I'm singing a song, I write it down, mm -hmm. you know, where I think in the past, I wouldn't have necessarily, I, I would go, oh, I don't want to think that, or I don't want to feel that. Oh, so sorry. I'm going to ignore that thought. I'm going to ignore that feeling because I don't want that to be a part of me mm. <laughs> or something, you know. And so I, I, if you don't, I think if you don't honor uh, everything and put it down, then you don't open the pathway to the next thing that comes along. That's what I realized after I started writing. And so what I do now is I, you know, we're talking about iPhones before the before we started recording and using Google Drive or whatever, or Evernote or really to capture things. But I try to write down everything and I probably won't use 90% of it. But mm -hmm. to me, it's besides honoring the muse, to me, it's sort of keeping that channel open. I think it's sort of an exercise and kind of keeping that, if you're used to writing everything down, as it's as as a reflex, when something good really does come along, you'll be writing that down too. Right, right. Yeah. And if you're kind of waiting for the good little pieces, and then you don't write everything down, you kind of lose track of, mm -hmm. you know. And you've probably done this too, where you you go back over things you've written, you go, wait, I can use that in something. Right, right. Or, or a piece, or a lyric, or a phrase, or a, a, a little bit of alliteration that didn't work in one thing. Oh, this works over here. Mm -hmm. I usually yeah. I lose those little things, but I think <laughs> I probably never use them, but. But I do think, yeah, that if you but don't... But going through the exercise of writing them all down, you'll yeah, have... Them, you know. it, oh, yeah, I think even if, like, a lot of times if I write, if I'm if I'm really sad, and I write a really sad song, even though I could say I didn't want to be sad, or I didn't want to be angry, because who wants to be sad or angry? The next song that comes along is a little chipper, little, mm -hmm. you know, upbeat, yeah. you know, rock song or right. something. And, I and if I, I hadn't done the first song, it you know, have got you that the I didn't really one. want, I went to have like cleared out those feelings and yeah, let yeah. some other feelings come in, you know. I've done that too. I've, I've written songs where I go, this is just kind of a downer song that doesn't really say anything. But then, but if you've gone through there, if you actually, it's also going to just, you know, get in the habit of finishing songs. But mm -hmm. then you, you write that one, the next one comes along and you say, like you say, it's a different it's a different feeling. Yeah. Yeah. You can let go of the first feeling. Yeah. Like released it. Yeah. So. Songs are strange. They're really. Yeah. They're really. <laughs> <laughs> I always like how people still ask, do you write the lyrics or the music first? Yes. It's <laughs> yeah. something. You know, they're all different. Yeah. But yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I, I've, I'm sort of a. Um, um, uh, I think I don't verbalize very well, and so I express myself a lot in my music mm -hmm. because I don't really, 
I think I grew up around a lot of people that talked a lot and, and um, um, I had a hard time sort of, I think, I, I sometimes have a hard time. I'm, my mind processes slowly, I think, and I have a hard time um, yeah, expressing myself and getting, getting a word in edgewise. And so I think that that um, finding finding music and finding poetry really allowed me to have a a, a means of expression, mm -hmm. a way to say things you probably wouldn't normally. Yeah, and with a song you can say them over and over and over and over <laughs> to different people. <laughs> He's still doing that same song. Yeah, but that one person hadn't heard it. <laughs> nice. Well, very cool. Well, congrats again about Song of Joy. Again, I, I, in fact, for the listeners, I think my wife and I, I think we bought like 10 copies of you these. Did. Something like that. Aww. You know, in fact, we have a, speaking of friends who are, are sick, we have somebody over the hill who's fighting something. So we sent, my wife sent me put together a care package and included a copy of Song of Joy. And I like this you. record too, because it's not one, I mean, a lot of people will label their music, you know, inspirational or uplifting. And this album does that, but it's not like a wispy. I mean, it's got a, it's got a, you know, it's got, you know, it's got a great band behind it. The songs are fun, but they are positive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's getting yeah, played it's on country very, it's radio. It's not really very syrupy. Not at all. It's not no. Very syrupy. <laughs> I, I always felt like that about kid stuff too. Like, um, I remember once the producer said, "Now, Nancy, you know, if you smile when you sing, you know, really," and I'm like. I just want to sing the way I sing. <laughs> I want to like make something sound different than it is. Yeah. You know, to make it sound sort of like a kids, kids, you know, women singers, you know, sing with kids are like syrupy, you know. Mm -hmm. No, I want, I still just want it to be real. And and hopefully then people well, plus, feel can't kids good see, about being can't real. Can't kids see themselves. right through that stuff if you're faking it? I don't know. I don't oh. know, but I just don't like doing it. No. So you got to be honest. Yeah, and I I think it I think like with kids, my feeling was just always that if you, um, I just wanted kids to feel okay about feeling whatever they felt. Mm -hmm. You know that that a lot of problems come from not. Um, accepting yourself the way you are and then you know you build up all these defenses and all these sort of ways to hide and cover up and who you are and I think that causes a lot of problems between in yourself and between you and other people mm -hmm. and so yeah being real can get you into trouble but I think that's the way I prefer to live <laughs> and the songs seem to work Neat. Well, cool. So we'll look forward to Memphis, too. Oh, and actually, by the time I get this done, we'll probably have Memphis out, so we'll oh, drop yeah. a song or two in there. Oh, great. Cool. Oh, great. Thanks for coming by. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. See, nice that was easy. Was that easy? <laughs> of course it was easy. It was a podcast interview around the kitchen table with pigeons and dogs and everything else <laughs> barking and chirping in the background. I forgot to mention that... Um, we usually start these interviews, you know, we're kind of in midstream already when I tied, actually remember to turn the recorder on and she was asking me how I got started podcasting and that was the recap there at the beginning. I was a writer, I worked for the Sentinel for a while and then got into music and blogging and all this other stuff. So that's kind of where that came from. And yeah, if you adopt a pigeon, you're stuck with it. So there you go. 
Um, that was Nancy Cassidy, who you can whom you can find at nancycassidymusic.com, talking about uh, you know the, the the Song of Joy record and how that came out of where it came from, and about her farming background and her songwriting process. Just a whole bunch of really interesting stuff. And I, again, Nancy, if you're listening, I'll hope you listen to this at least once. Thank you again for giving us your time. That was really cool. We're going to close with uh, the opening track off her new record, which is now ready. It's called Memphis. And uh, we're going to leave you with the, the, the cover, the cover, <laughs> the opening song, Backwater Blue. Once again, I'm Michael Gaither of Songs and Stories. You can find me at michaelgaither.com. It's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-A-I-T-H-E-R.com. Uh, coming up next on Songs and Stories, I'm, I've got a couple of pending things. So I'm not going to announce it, but uh, one's... One's not a music interview, but it's going to be very entertaining. And um, a couple other things, too. So I'll, when I get those actually recorded in my hand, I'll announce them. But, uh, you know, if you haven't subscribed, you can go to my site or go to iTunes and just click subscribe for free. If you heard me on Grateful Dread Radio or Casey Cafe Radio, thank you for tuning in and listening. And uh, if you found me on Facebook or the website and just clicked on the link, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. The artists appreciate it. And you can... Show your appreciation by buying their CDs because they put a lot of work into this stuff. So once again, I'm Michael Gaither. This is Songs and Stories. Thank you for listening. And here's a little bit of Backwater Blue off the new Memphis record from Nancy Cassidy. Yeah.